what is going on? Hey, thank you so much for joining me here on The Shaleen Show. Today is a an interesting episode. I'm going to share the story of my dad's motorcycle accident. So I'm going to give you a trigger warning before we get to that part. You will know before we get to the part that might be upsetting to some of you. I'm also going to share with you some of the very funny commentary and interesting experiences we've had since releasing last Friday's episode where Brett and I shared our thoughts on some influencers and just grifters and scammers and shady people and shady industries. That was quite an interesting one. If you didn't catch that episode, it was last Friday. If you enjoyed that episode because you liked hearing Brett slightly unfiltered, just a quick plug for Patreon. That's basically what you're getting. No, that is a fraction of what you're going to get on Patreon. We keep it very real and very raw. Today's going to be very real and very raw. This is a story I haven't shared in this way before. So thank you for listening today. Thanks for being here. All right, let's get to it. First, the update. Last Friday, I decided not to do a YouTube video. I just did another, you know, having a little chat with you. It's good to know that you do enjoy these episodes. And Brett Johnson was in the car. That episode kind of popped off. And when I say kind of popped off, I mean, it's not on YouTube. So the downloads are the downloads. But sometimes I can kind of tell if a show is more popular just based on friends who are texting me. You know what I mean? So just to recap, Friday's episode, Brett and I kind of went there. We talked about some people in different industries, especially industries that we are in, that just do things in a way that we don't necessarily agree with. Some people that their ethics, their way of practicing business, we just don't align with it. And I got so many messages from friends from people, <laughs> this is kind of funny, people who we were like literally referencing in that episode, who a few text us and they were like, that was such a great episode. Somebody had to say it. I'm like, wow, self-aware much? Um, not. And I can kind of tell when an episode is more popular just based on that. Like, cause not normally I'm not, you know, my friends or like circle of people that I do business with whatever, they don't like listen to my show on the regular. You know what I mean? So that kind of told me, uh-oh, people are passing this around. But listen, I said what I said and I stand by what I said and we didn't name names. And I do think people kind of have to speak up sometimes. It is kind of shocking to me the number of people who fall for it, I guess you would say, just don't see through that. Anyways, I'm not going to rehash that whole episode, but that was Friday's my parents were here this weekend and we had a great time with them. I, you know, always post my folks up on my stories when they're with me. I'm very proud of my parents. I think they are hysterical. I haven't met anyone who doesn't just go, oh, your parents are adorable. They're so likable. They're, they're so funny. They don't try to be funny, but they just are. <laughs> They are characters. They're movie characters. They're memes. They're just, and they, that's just who they are. It's like not an act. It's not a show. It's who they are 24 seven. They're high energy. They're happy. They're positive. And I've talked about this before. Like I had such a privilege growing up and I'm not talking about like financial, like there's great advantage. So many advantages I had 
by being raised by two people who really, truly love each other, super respectful. And then on top of that, both so positive and happy and encouraging. Like what? I thought that was the norm. I just thought that's how everyone grew up until I started asking questions of people, probably in high school. I probably saw some of it, you know, as a kid, but didn't, you don't, you don't, you don't put two and two together until you're like an adult. And then when you start asking people questions about their background, their history, et cetera, then I was like, whoa, wait, I don't have any friends who had parents like these. Like, (laughs) that's just crazy. And it's just luck. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, there's, you, it's just luck of the draw and timing. And I don't know. I just, I just know it's incredible privilege anyways. So I'm proud of my parents. I love spending time with them to an extent, (laughs) you know, as you get older, you start to realize probably the ways that you drive your own kids crazy. And then you realize with your own parents, the, some of the stuff that you like really drove you crazy when you were younger. Now, as you start to get a little bit older, you're like, you know, they're not going to change. So you just have to love it and embrace it and set up appropriate boundaries where necessary. There are certain things my parents will do. I talked about this on Patreon that just are funny. And also, if I didn't think of them as being funny, they would be annoying. Like the fact that they both sit in the same room, like a foot away from me, and they both have full-blown conversations with me about different things at the exact same time. And I'm like, how do you both not realize you're both talking at me and asking me questions at the same time? Who, who could focus? Like, are you guys serious right now? How do you not realize you're doing this? One of the things I shared on my stories was that they both are super active. Like my mom has lost 25 pounds in the last year. And my dad is just, you know, he's never had a weight problem really other than I did find some photos from like maybe 25 years ago where he had a little bit more of a Jake. I don't know if that's an appropriate term, but it's a phrase I always heard Brett and his dad use. A dude who has a belly, they would call it the belly they'd go, oh, that guy's got a Jake. So I don't know if that was, you have to let me know, you guys in the comments, like, you know, wherever you comment. Is that just a Johnson thing? Is that something they made up? Hopefully I'm not saying something that's inappropriate. Have you ever heard that before? That guy's got a Jake. Anyways, my dad had a Jake about 25 years ago. But other than that, he's, he's always been pretty much the same weight. And the man, let's just say this, doesn't necessarily eat healthy. <laughs> He loves him some junk food, some processed foods. I mean, he's not terribly unhealthy, but he he does love a, a good cookie. He loves to find his chips, you know, but never has a weight problem because he's so freaking active. And he's always been active. He's always been the guy who's like in the woods, cutting down trees, building forts, creating a zip line, pulling the boat, getting us all to go water skiing, snow skiing, snowmobiling, shoveling the driveway. Like he cannot sit still, constantly doing something. He's, you know, building something. He's taking something apart. He's just 
cannot sit still ever. And he's, you know, has a garage full of motorcycles that he's tinkering with. He's always, always, always active. And because of that, I think that's one of the reasons why he's never had a weight problem because he's just incredibly active. Now, my mom, on the other hand, she's also been active, but you know, you start to slow down in your 60s and you live in a cold weather state like Michigan and you're certainly not as active in the winter months. And she apparently had gained weight and she'd, you know, go on a a diet and try to lose it or whatever. But I mean, she's adorable. I never ever would comment on either of my parents' weight. And they're great about that with us. They never commented on our weight growing up. So I appreciate that. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned on the show that when I went to go get my nails done, the nail tech was like, when did you have these done? Because it looks like they haven't grown out at all. Like I I didn't need a fill. Also, I was able to go like almost seven weeks before getting my hair highlighted because my hair hadn't grown. And I'm like, what is different? I realized what it was. I had stopped taking my collagen because we were traveling and I forgot. Well, thanks to my friends at Organifi who were listening to the show. My problem is solved. They sent me my favorite unflavored collagen. Now, the reason why I use an unflavored collagen powder is because I mix it in with my water and my other supplements. It has no flavor. And that's how I make sure that I get enough collagen to get my hair growing and my nails growing again. That's the only thing I'd done different in the last whatever, seven or eight weeks. What is collagen? It's the most abundant protein in our body. Everyone makes it. We should be making it. You need it for your blood vessels, your muscles. You need it for hair growth. You need it for nails. You need it to have stronger bones. But collagen literally is the glue that holds all of our parts together. And it's something that is going to improve your gut health. It helps your metabolism. It helps you to build muscle. It helps your cardiovascular health. And most of us are not getting enough. So if you use an unflavored collagen powder, you can mix in your morning coffee. It literally doesn't change the taste at all. You can put in your smoothie. You can put in your water. You can put in your yogurt. You can put in just about anything. It literally has no taste. And Organifi only uses real food ingredients. As a listener of the show, you get 20% off. I want you to try their collagen. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Shaleen and then enter code Shaleen for your 20% off. Again, that's Organifi.com forward slash Shaleen. But anyways, so my mom, they move to the villages and they start like doing all these fun, active things with other people that live in this retirement community in Florida. I know you've heard about it. It's like infamous on TikTok for the loofahs. Apparently, now that my mom and dad say it's all BS, this is just rumors, that it's not true, but mm, I've been to the villages and I have my suspicions. Anyways, the rumors are that these swinging seniors put different loofahs on their golf carts. Let's talk about the golf carts in this city. So many golf carts, like they're just decked out. It's it's like nothing you've ever seen before in your entire life. It is like Disneyland for seniors. It's like spring break in Disneyland for seniors. It's like utopia. And they're all seniors from the Midwest specifically. So you're not seeing too many like California seniors. And there's a different look. There's a different attire. There's a different vibe, all of it. So anyways, they moved to the villages and it's just like activity central. 
Oh, wait, back to finishing my story about the loofahs. So yeah, the rumor is that the seniors put these different colored loofahs on their golf carts and the color of the loofah signals what type of swinging they're into. I'm not joking. That's the rumor. I didn't make it up. You can look it up on, go to TikTok and type in villages loofahs. You're welcome. My mom and dad are going to be so mad that I'm even giving any energy to this rumor because they're like, Shaleen, it's just scandalous. Don't believe that stuff. So they move to the villages and, and they start like realizing like these people are, all the people around them, like the community, the people you hang out with, they're all so freaking active. They're like in dance clubs and they're hiking and they're cycling and they're playing pickleball and they're swimming and they're doing, what do they call it? Cardio drumming and Zumba and all this stuff. So, you know, Marge and Bill are super duper social. They join every club you can think of and they're going 24 hours a day. Like they just go and go and go and go. It's just all that activity. They both just start dropping weight. And so my, my mom got certified to become a Zumba instructor last year at age 75. I mean, how crazy is that, right? And so when they were here, my mom's energy is like insane right now. I'm like, mom, are you like, are you doing crystal meth? Like, no joke. Like, what is going on? Why are you so hyper? And she's like, I just, I don't know. I love it. I love it. Like, the more I move, the more energy I have. And that's so freaking true. It's and it doesn't matter what age you are. Absolutely, energy begets energy. If you sit around and you're not doing much, you feel low energy. But when you're constantly moving, you're constantly dancing, you're constantly talking, you're constantly doing things, you get more energy. And so like she's like through the roof energy, both of them. It kind of felt like probably, I don't have grandkids, but I assume that like when you have grandkids, it's like these like, whirling dervish of energy balls like little Tasmanian devils and and you have to like ramp your energy up to keep up with them and then all of a sudden you just like are like <sighs> when they're gone I literally felt like that because they are they're high energy so anyways my I asked my mom like what her average step count is because she oh she uses her, her apple watch to track it and her average step count is between I think she's 12 to 15 thousand steps a day. And so then I'm like, dad, what, what are your steps? And, and my dad is like eight to 12,000 steps per day, which is crazy, right? Okay. So here's the, the real reason why this is crazy is because I don't know. I know I've mentioned this a couple of times, but maybe you're, for those people who are new to the show, my dad is a, an amputee. When I was pregnant with Sierra, my parents had a place in Southern California and, and a place in Michigan. At this point, they were like doing six months and six months, really to help us out because I was the oldest and I had the first grandchild, that was Brock. So they, they got a place in Southern California, lived there six months out of the year, which was awesome, and helped with Brock. And then, so they were out and I was pregnant with Sierra and they were you know at their house here in, in, or in Southern California, which was like around the block from us. And my mom and I were like getting the nursery ready for Sierra. I'm quite pregnant. And my dad was out, off doing a, a motorcycle ride. I feel like it was a Sunday. I'm not positive about that. But it was, I know it was like a, you know, like a mid afternoon, sunny day. He was down in Dana Point. He was on Stonehill Drive. And he's just going down Stonehill Drive and a woman in her car. I don't know if you've ever done this where you're like, 
you see a cyclist or a motorcycle and, and your brain like doesn't quite register because your brain is thinking, looking for a, a motor vehicle, like a car or a truck. And have you ever done that thing where you're like, you hit the brake and then you hit the, you hit the gas and you hit the brake and you're like, should I go? Should I not? You know, it's that kind of thing. Well, this woman did exactly that and hit her gas pedal and went, you know, T-boned my dad on a vintage bike. He was on a, a Vincent, Vincent or Triumph? I can't remember. And then T-boned my dad. Now, of course, I, I don't know this. I'm at my house with my mom and my phone rings and it is the chaplain from Mission Vale Hospital. Now, I'd like to give some advice to whoever, whoever's in charge of that department that you probably shouldn't have a chaplain call. I mean, talk about automatic heart drop. I mean, my stomach dropped and they specifically asked for me. I mean, it was my phone. Obviously, they asked for me. But the chaplain was like, is this Shalene Johnson? I said, yes. And she said, you know, explain that she was calling because my father had been in a very bad motorcycle accident. And it's very important that I get to the hospital as soon as possible. Now, my mom is a fainter. She only faints, however, if someone in her family is hurting or is in pain. Like, she couldn't come and pick me up at the dentist's office when we were kids because she would faint <laughs> in, the, in the dentist's waiting room. So now I'm getting this news, and the fact that it's just the chaplain, I can't imagine why I'm getting a call from the chaplain to come to the trauma center. I said, is he alive? And she said, yes, but you'll please, you know, come as soon as you can. So I, I'm a calm person. And I also never think the worst. I always think in terms of optimism. And I'm not kidding you. Even in that moment, I was certain my dad was going to be okay. Now, was there a little side of me that that imagined even for a moment he wouldn't be okay, I guess. But overwhelmingly, I felt like he's going to be okay. We're going to be there. He's, he's going to be okay. My dad is not going to die. Even though I know nothing about this accident, all I know is he's in the trauma center at Mission Vale Hospital. And I have to figure out how I'm going to tell my mom that we need to go to the hospital. How do I stay calm? And I can't tell her that the chaplain called because I know that's going to be, a, she's fainting. And now I've got to deal with that. So I totally low-keyed it. I was like, hey, mom. So I guess dad got in like a, a motorcycle accident and he's at the hospital right now. So like literally this is my tone. And so we should probably, and I, I don't have any details. They just, you know, he gave them my number and they just asked us to come. And she was on to me so fast. She's like, wait, wh wh why would they call you? Why did he give him your phone number? Why? Like she, and I know my dad well enough to, uh, this is partly the other reason why I probably assumed he must be, he's going to be okay, is because the fact that I got the call told me that he was conscious and aware enough to know 
that he should call me and not her. So we get to the hospital. And as we walk through the, you know, ER nurse, the charge station, wherever you, you, you tell them who it is you're there to see. And they're like, okay, if you could just wait over here for the chaplain. And they said chaplain in front of my mom. And my mom said, who do they say? And I said, I'm, I'm not sure. And so then they directed us into the little, I don't know what you call it. It feels like a, a little worship center, like a little church. I know some of you are like screaming it right now. You know the word, but I don't know. I don't know what it's called. But it's like, it's like the little worship center inside the church. One of the questions I'm always asked is, what is your favorite bra? My go-to favorite bra at the moment is Honey Love. I discovered it when I heard one of my favorite podcasters talking about it. And I'm so excited that we invited them to be a show sponsor. And they said, yes, that's good news for you because you get a huge discount. Especially thankful for Honey Love because there is nothing worse than being in a bra that feels like you are absolutely suffocating. You don't need to do that. Honey Love has revolutionized the bra and shapewear game. So you can say goodbye to really uncomfortable underwires or like fabrics that squeeze you too hard and give you rolls where you don't need them. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that it's hard to explain, but it just eliminates the need for underwire. It gives you all the support you need, all the lift that you need without being completely uncomfortable. They're so soft. You're not going to want to take this bra off. You can literally sleep in it. Not that I recommend that, but you can sleep in it and you're going to immediately feel and see the difference. So go give yourself the gift of comfort and take advantage of this huge discount. Treat yourself to the best bras, the best shapewear on the market. Get 20% off site-wide at honeylove.com forward slash Shaleen. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about Honey Love. And please, 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 please don't forget to tell them you heard about it here on The Shaleen Show. Support the show. Tell them that I sent you. Finally, we get to ditch the underwire thanks to Honey Love. So they told us to go into that room and that's where the chaplain met us. And now my mom is, she's not fainting yet, but like she's white as a ghost. They have been together since her junior year in high school. Margie and Bill, this is like, I can't imagine what she was feeling. Cannot imagine. So the chaplain sits us down and tells us that it had been a very traumatic motorcycle accident. And she kind of gave us the details of his most significant injuries. We later learned that he had broke like several fingers, an arm, ribs. He had a concussion. He had, you know, stitches all over his body. But the worst of his injuries were that he, the accident, and, and trigger warning for those of you who are like, you know, this is going to be kind of gruesome. So skip ahead like a couple of minutes if you're like haven't had lunch yet. So he was hit on the right side of his body and it severed his right leg below his knee. He was sent flying into the air. Apparently they, this is horrible, but they retrieved his, the lower part of his leg and transported it with him. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine? I can't. To the hospital, to the trauma center, and 
the nurse told us that he had lost a significant, sorry, not the nurse, the chaplain, told us that he'd lost a significant amount of blood and that they were doing their best right now to piece him back together and that they were bringing in special trauma surgeons to attempt to reattach the leg. He was in surgery for hours and hours and hours. Now, I'm pregnant. I'm, I think, eight or not. No, I'm, I'm uh, let's see. If I think it was in January and I had Sierra in March. So it's confusing because you're really pregnant for 10 months. 40 weeks is 10 months, y'all. So whatever. It's the first part of January. I don't have too much time left with this baby. I'm, I'm quite pregnant. And we were up all through the night. And the surgeons kept coming out and telling us that, you know, they, they had reattached it. But then the, I mean, it was just his veins and arteries and all of that, like your lymph system, like everything was just blown to smithereens. So they tried to reattach it for hours and hours and hours. And they basically came out and told us like, okay, the leg is attached, but it's very slim chances that he's going to regain full use of it. My dad then stayed in the hospital for, I don't know, it had been over a month. And gosh, just you know, waking him waking up heavily, heavily drugged. And just all of us in the room, like my sister flew out, my brother flew out, my mom's there, obviously. And we're just so blessed and happy that he's alive. But he's in this hospital, he's heavily sedated. And he has this leg that just doesn't look real. It doesn't look alive. Do you know what I mean? And he wants to know. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to know if he's going to lose his leg. And the first couple of days, yeah, the just the doctors looks on their faces. It was you just we could kind of tell, but my dad is even more of an optimist than me and especially in this situation, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it. I, I'm, I'm going to get my leg back now. Because in his mind, he's thinking, how am I going to ride motorcycles again? And water skiing and snow skiing. And this is the guy, like I said, who cannot sit down. So he is fighting with all of his life to keep this leg. And as the days continue, we're watching his toes and his feet, like just the skin texture and tone and color you just knew it wasn't getting blood supply. The handwriting was on the wall. And he was so deeply sedated. And it's so traumatic, you know? Like, and it's so heavy to be in that room. And to, and to be, actually, at first he was in the ICU. Once he got out of ICU, which I'm not sure how many days that was. Like, once he got back into, like, I don't know what de department it was. Whatever department it was, I remember this. It's like where they go after the ICU. I remember they, they, the nurses and doctors told us that like they call that wing the Ortega Highway wing because so many horrible accidents had happened out on the Ortega Highway, which is kind of this little stretch of highway in Southern California, kind of where we live, where all the motorcyclists ride on the weekends. But anyway, so it was so intense and sad and depressing and all those things, right? Like we're just, we're just like living our lives in this 
ER room wondering how his life is ever going to be the same. And I think in those situations, I don't know if you've ever done this, like where you've been to like a funeral or someone has passed away and you start sharing stories and you just find yourself laughing hysterically and you, you almost have to do that or you're, you're just going to explode. Like, I don't think our, our nervous systems can handle that much sadness and intensity without like a little reprieve. It's, it's like almost like catching your breath. And so he was pretty freaking funny on his morphine. I mean, they had him on the highest dosages of pain medications. And so he was hallucinating the funniest things. And I, I know you're like, that's so mean to laugh. But like, we had to. It was all that we could do. Because otherwise, what would you do except other cry? You know, and so he would wake up and he would ask us, I'm not kidding. He'd say, he said, am I a mirror? Am, am, am I a mirror in a mirror factory? And we're like, what? Dad, what? He goes, just tell me. I'm a mirror, aren't I? I'm in a mirror factory, aren't I? And we're like, I mean, how could you not cry laughing? I'm like, no, Dad, you're not in a, you're not a mirror. You're a man <laughs> and you're not in a factory. And every single time he woke up, he would have these crazy hallucinations. Like he told us he was swimming under the sand and then he had to, he had to swim under the sand. And he kept going, tip, tip, tip. I have to catch my breath because I've got to swim in the sand, under the sand from here to Las Vegas. And we're like, no, you don't, Dad. And the other thing he thought while he was heavily sedated, he thought that we had tricked him. Because one of the do- doctors was a female. His nurses were females. It's myself, my mom, and my sister. We're females. And he keeps asking us, have you got me? Are they turning me into a woman? Have they got me in a female hospital? What is this? Are you guys tricking me? And, and then they like brought him a pink cup to drink off. And he was, he was so certain that we had him uh, instituted and that we were like transitioning him without his permission. That was also pretty funny. And then... Do you remember Luna bars? I don't even know if they still make Luna bars. I remember at one point he was like, he woke up and he was like really hungry and, you know, there was no food in the room. And so I was like, well, I I have a, like a protein bar, dad. And so I handed him this Luna bar. And I don't know if you remember this, but the Luna bars, they were like specifically targeted towards females. So it talked about like feminine health and feminine energy and, and, you know, feminine nutrition. And sure enough, he thought, yep, yep, this is just more proof that they have me in this hospital trying to turn me into a woman. So there were funny moments, but there was a lot, those were rare. There was a lot more like, just, just this doom and this heaviness. We all felt knowing he was not going to be able to keep that leg. Okay, so let's talk about deodorant for a second. You know that I had been on the hunt, thank you for your suggestions, for a deodorant that was baking soda-free, didn't have any parabens, had no aluminum, because, you know, hashtag we're all trying to get rid of the toxins. Many of you had suggested Lumi. I tried it. I love it. And now they are a show sponsor. Lumi is different because it's a whole body deodorant. And they've got a stick and they also have like a cream tube deodorant, okay? So here's the deal. 
this stuff is so safe. You can put it freaking anywhere on your body. You can put it in your under boobs, um, on your belly button, uh, on your booty crack, on your vajayjay, on your feet, like anywhere where you're like, okay, we just need to control some odor. That's Lumi. Lumi will take care of that for you. It's a first of its kind. It's been clinically proven to block odor all day and control it for up to 72 hours. I love that it was created by an OBGYN who experienced firsthand that BO is normal. It was just being misdiagnosed and mistreated. So if you've been looking for something that is aluminum-free, like I said, um, you want something that's a little safer to use anywhere on your body, may I suggest to you the Lumi Starter Pack. It's perfect for new customers You because then you'll get like the, um, the solid stick plus the cream tube deodorant, which is kind of nice, like if you're going to put on your feet or wherever. They'll also give you two free products of your choice, like their little mini body wash and the deodorant wipes, which are also really nice. And because you're a listener of The Shaleen Show, new customers get $5 off their Lumi starter pack with code Shaleen. So go to lumideodorant.com. That will give you, are you ready for this? 40% off your starter pack. Check it out. I think you're going to love it. I don't remember which one of us, I'm sure it was probably me, that had to explain that to him, as well as the doctor. But then he was like, Beanie, that's his, what he calls me. He's like, Beanie, you, you, do, you do your research. You know, I, I know you're going to research. You're going you're gonna to find a way for me to keep this leg. Oh, shh, that's all he had to say. And you know me. I mean, even though this is like before the days of like chat GPT and Google like we have today. But I did. I did crazy amounts of research. I found these like incredible experimental things that they were doing in other countries with like leeches to bring the circulation back to the the blood vessels that had been severed and you know I I did everything that I could and god it was just nothing suggested that anything was a possibility so then we called in a family friend who we knew was you know who's also an orthopedic surgeon who we knew would shoot straight with him and just tell him if you know, what the situation was in this, that was Dr. Legome. Dr. Legome came in and sat at his bedside. He was a friend of Bob's too. And so he's really a trusted family friend, not just a, he was also the doctor, you guys probably remember, that helped me to heal my hamstring avulsion naturally. So Dr. Legome comes in, he just tells him about other people who had tried to do something similar, save a limb that really could not be saved and how they spent like, you know, eight and 10 years of their lives trying to work around this limb that just never allowed them to fully heal. And that eventually they end up having to amputate it anyways. And that, you know, Bill, this is, this leg is, is going to kill you if you keep it another day. Like gangrene is going to set in. You need to do this. You're going to be in a prosthetic. You're going to, you're going to get your life back. You're going to be active. You're going to be your, your, your path to healing is so much faster if you make this decision. And I remember, because I was in the room, my dad said, and he kind of like looked really sternly at Mark Legome and said, I just need to know, what are the chances that this leg could survive? And Doc said, Bill, I believe in miracles. I believe in prayer. And even with that, I, I mean, there's a one in a million chance that you could keep this leg. And, you know, he wanted to shoot straight with him. Doc Legome leaves. My dad looks at me and he goes, did you hear what he said? He said, I've got a chance. 
And so I'm not making that decision. I was like, oh, oh, geez. I mean, of all times to be positive, this is not it. And I don't know how many more people we had come in and speak to him, including other people who'd been in similar car accidents and countless doctors. And eventually they, you know, because he was kind of like in and out of being coherent and they wanted him to make the decision of his own free will. And he did. He decided that's what he needed to do. So he had his leg amputated below the knee. It's really important to keep that joint, that knee joint, if you can. And I'm going to fast forward the story because there were months and months and months of him in a wheelchair and just, you know, I haven't asked my dad if he was depressed, but I assume he was. I mean, it was hard, you know, to see someone so positive, so active and thinking about how it was going to change their lives. But to fast forward, I will tell you that if you were to see my dad, you would never know. You would never know. And I already told you how many steps he gets in a day. And, you know, there's a side of me that really hopes you heard that story and you're looking at your own activity level and you're like, what the hell is my problem? What excuse do I have? Literally. Because sometimes it takes an accident like that. or Sometimes it takes someone taking away something that we take for granted for us to appreciate what we should have been doing. I, you know, have been on this kick this last year, like for myself included, realizing that I was spending so much time inactive. Even though I'm going to the gym for like an hour and a half and... You know, I'm working, I'm killing it when I'm at the gym and I'm, I think I'm an active person until I like really looked at that part of my aura ring, that score. I never looked at my inactivity level because I was like, what does that matter? I'm looking at my workout. I'm looking at my steps. Who really cares about like the inactivity? Well, yeah, that actually matters. Like how many hours you are inactive matters. And so does the number of steps that you're taking that matters. Obviously, all the other things like your sleep, blah, 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 all those, it all matters. But I'm really using my parents and some of these documentaries I've watched this year about longevity. And it's so much more than, you know, what some of these biohackers are doing. Like, you know, I've watched these programs on centurions. They're not in hyperbaric oxygen. They're not doing vitamin B shots. (laughs) I'm laughing because I think of all the stupid things that I do. But I, 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 wanna, I do a lot of stupid things. I'm not, they're not stupid. I do a lot of expensive biohacking things that hopefully improve my longevity because, because I also like to do some things that are just fun that aren't going to improve my longevity. Like having a glass of champagne is not going to, it, it's a, it's not going to improve my longevity. Let's see. Missing a couple of hours of sleep a couple times a week. That's not going to improve my longevity. You know, I, I like to have French fries when I want to have French fries, that's not, you know, so I do, I try to do things to kind of like balance the other not so great things. I like to have balance. I don't want to be like, do you guys, I can't think of his name. Brian, is it Brian Johnson? Is he the billionaire who spent like $200 million or something on, or he spends $2 million a year on longevity treatments. And he's like reversed his age by like 37 years or something. But like, what kind of a life is that? 
I mean, he's interesting. I'm sure he's on the spectrum. Very fascinating character. But like, also you have to live your life because you could also get hit by a car on a Sunday afternoon and there goes your longevity. So I really am very, very focused on just looking at what makes people live the longest. I want you to watch this TED Talk. So just look up Harvard Longevity Study TED Talk. And it's a TED Talk that came out like seven years ago. But it's a TED Talk where he breaks down the key elements of the longest standing or the longest running, the longest running Harvard study on longevity. And what they've discovered, they've been studying these people for over 76 years now, I believe. What they discovered creates longevity more than anything is community, relationships, being social, being active. It's not about like, yeah, of course it's the food. Of course it's the stress. But stress is all mitigated by relationships and happiness and being active and being social. And, you know, I just, I look at my parents and I'm like, they do seem 15 years younger than their friends. They do. And they look younger than their friends and they are happy and they have great relationships and they don't pick battles with their family members. And while they might disagree with what their kids do or think that we should be doing something different with our own kids or their grandkids, they don't speak their mind in that way. You know, they, they're loving and they may have their own opinions, but they focus on making sure that our relationships are strong and we all get along and you just let bygones be bygones and you, you pick your battles or, or you, you just don't battle with family, you know? And I think that's something I want to learn from them. And being more active is something that they're role modeling to them. And it's something I, I want to role model to my kids and I want to role model it to you. And I want to encourage you. I don't know if I already mentioned this, but in a couple weeks, I have decided to do a 14-day, basically a walking challenge, like to get you to get more steps. It's not a weight loss thing. It is about energy because I don't care what your New Year's resolution is or whatever it is, whenever it is you're listening to this, whatever it is your goals are to be different, to be better, whether it's to start a business, to leave a crappy relationship, to redecorate your home, to clean out the garage, to lose some weight, whatever your goals are. If you're low on energy, if you don't have any energy, if you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you feel defeated, if you feel like this is just my fate because I'm getting older, that's not true. It's about your energy and your energy is something you have the ability to change, to dramatically improve. And I want to show you how to do that. And my parents are very much the kind of inspo behind this. So I'm going to do like a walking challenge and we're going to walk every day. How far? It depends. It, you're going to start where you can start. You're going to start. If you can only walk for five minutes a day, fine. If you can't walk outside because it's snowing where you live, fine. you're going to walk inside your house. You're going to walk in place. Anyways, I'm going to do this challenge. I'm going to put a link to it if you want to sign up for it. It's free. It's going to be 14 days. And it's going to just basically be an audio challenge. So you'll just like pop on your headphones and you'll listen to me talk to you. And I've got a few of my other friends who are 
baddies. Like I, I specifically asked my girlfriends or associates, people I know who are over 45, 45 to 65, who are have phenomenal physiques, incredible energy, and they are super active and they're experts at helping people understand like the little changes, little things you need to do to improve your energy. Like this is not going to be a weight loss thing. This is going to be like, because if you want to lose weight, you, you need energy. So like, let's start at the core. Anyways, I'll put a link to it in our show notes. It's going to be free. Invite your mom to do it with you or your sister or your best friend because, or your daughter, like, you know, being active and being social, being active is great, but like connecting with our, our relationship, like our friends, like you need to start reaching out. That's the other thing. Like if you don't have good connections and relationships and friendships, that's on you. That's on you. You, you have to practice. It's like a muscle. It's something you have to learn how to do. It's something you have to practice and, and it will benefit you in the long run. It does make you happier. And, but it does take practice and it does take effort. And I feel like, is that, is that an episode you guys want me to do? Let me know. I think it's important. I just don't know. I don't know if people are self-aware enough to know that they are the ones who aren't reaching out. Like if you don't have a lot of friends by friends, I mean, I don't just mean like friends that you can call. I mean, like if you're not doing things socially with people on a pretty regular basis, that's impact, that is impacting your health. We all have friends. I know you have someone you can call in the middle of the night. I know you've got that. I know you've got people you stay in contact with, but do you have friends that you're seeing on a regular basis? And by regular basis, I mean like at least once a week, at least, because that's important. That's important for your health. You know, and, and this year I want to talk about some of the things that are like non- diet and non-fitness related that really impact your health because they impact your stress. I talked about this. My, our, Brett and I, both of us, our cortisol levels have dropped so much. And when your cortisol level drops, you lose body fat. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. You're just not going to change the way you eat and that dramatically reduces your stress. You have to like change your mindset. You got to change the way you look at the world and you got to feel differently about yourself and you have to be very intentional about reducing your stress and that's going to boost your energy. So that's another thing I'm going to, I'm going to help change your mindset around this stuff. If you do this 14 day challenge with me. So yeah, my mom and dad, while they were here with us, they, they helped us get in a whole bunch of steps and my dad, you know, I hope he's okay with me telling the story. I didn't even ask him, but he doesn't always listen to the podcast, but I, Dad, if you are listening to this episode, I love you so much. You're such an inspiration. And I have to tell your story because it inspires me. And I don't want to have to tell it later. I want to tell it while you can listen to it firsthand. My dad writes the most amazing text messages every day to, almost every day, to myself and my sister and my brother. He writes these like long text messages with like, paragraph return <laughs> punctuation bold it's pretty funny but they're always like so uplifting and so encouraging and again i just feel like it's not even fair how good i got it in the parent department i lucked out but he is sometimes a little i don't want to say embarrassed but like he he worries that 
his leg makes other people feel uncomfortable, but you would never know it because he's always wearing long jeans. You know what I'm saying? But like there are times when he's like on a, a flight or where he has to be in shorts or, you know, like maybe at the lake in the summer. And I, I see him look around. He's always worried that he's going to traumatize a little kid, you know, by like taking off his leg because it's really, really, really uncomfortable. Can you imagine like how uncomfortable it is to put all your weight? Just imagine if it was just your knee in a piece of plastic and you had to walk around like that. Like I know they've come quite far with prosthetics, but it's still terribly uncomfortable. Again, all of that and he still gets in more steps than probably half the people who are listening to this right now. And that has to change. Will it? I hope you said yes. Okay, well, listen, it's late. I hope you enjoyed this. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.